You are listening to the Oracle of Light podcast. I am your host, Shauna DeMellon. If you have a son or daughter who is on the other side and you would like to learn how to make the connection with them, I invite you to check out my website at livealifeyoulove.org where you can learn all about my program, Growing Up in Heaven. It's from my heart to yours. I am so excited to have you today. Hello, Diane. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Shauna, for having me here. I too am very excited. You know, when I was when I was checking into the energy about uh, about a couple of hours ago, it was like it was just like effervescent. It was like, oh my gosh! And I, I love that. I love that our conversation is going to be all around grief today because I find, as I'm sure you do as well, I'm finding that so many people are grieving so many different things right now. And then it's just, it almost feels like it's layer upon layer. I mean, we're grieving, you know, what things were like two years ago. We're grieving the loss of loved ones. We're grieving. It's almost like a lot of the clients are grieving the loss of their, their old identity. It's like this, mm-hmm. this opportunity to sort of step into something new and it's, it's this grieving process. I would love for you to share your story, your background with us. How did you get into your work? All of that good information. Okay. All right. So how long was the podcast? (laughs) We have three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So many moons ago, I was an esthetician and I did. So I gave facials and that was for about 20 years. And In the process of giving facials, I realized you're so close to people. I could feel this energy. And so I thought, wow, this is really interesting. So I became a Reiki master and I got into energy healing and I worked with crystals. And then I, you know, I used it in conjunction with my facials so I sort of had this mishmash of things that were were going on and in 2008 my oh and also before I tell you that I sat I did sit with a medium for about eight years in a circle we met every Tuesday and it was great we did psychic work and mediumistic work and we did healing for people too so it was really lovely and then in 2008 my dad, my brother, and my mom, and then shortly after, my beloved dog all died. And I do believe the work of sitting with a medium and all of the energy work really helped me in my grieving process. And, you know, those deaths for me opened a door to grief. I thought, wow, here's grief. You know, somebody said, welcome to the club when my dad had died. And it was a club that I certainly didn't want to be part of. So, you know, I thought to myself, wow, you know, here's grief. And yet it made me look at my life and the people that used to come in for facials and healing was that our lives are made up of losses. And shortly after my family died, my sister-in-law, her daughter was 39, she died very suddenly. 
And I remember thinking to myself, how on earth, how on earth do people cope with this? You know, I felt like I was doing okay with my my grieving and I watched my sister-in-law and it wasn't great. And then that's when I decided to become a grief recovery coach. And so I was doing my facials and healing work and I was doing, I did, I became a coach too. I did hypnotherapy. So I sort of had this other, <laughs> these, all these businesses all combined together. So I was doing it all and it was great fun, but then COVID came. And I remember thinking, well, you know, I had been thinking down the line, I would transition from aesthetics to coaching and just do coaching. How on earth was I going to do that? COVID came and opened the door for me. And so I said, well, that's it. I will touch people in a different way now. And I will just concentrate on grief recovery and hypnosis. And so that's what I did. But I have to say, in letting go of my aesthetic business and all of my clients that I'd had for over 20 years, I grieved. Of course. I grieved, you know, and here we are in the midst of a pandemic and, you know, all of a sudden I felt lonely. Mm -hmm. No clients, you know, and um, so I grieved at that transition Mm -hmm. because it was something familiar. I was losing, even though I was going into something that I absolutely love. Right. 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 So that, you know, so now I'm doing it full time and I absolutely love it. And that really is my story and how I've evolved. I absolutely love that. I love that. I love that you share that you grieved the loss of your 20 year career. I, I, that is, and I, I love that topic. We were just talking about that a few minutes ago and it's, you know, I'm finding that people are, are grieving so many different aspects. And I find you probably find this as well in my work. It's almost giving people permission to grieve. You had any kind of loss, whether it's a career, it's a relationship, it's a fur baby, it's, you know, your health is, any sort of loss is, you know, it's, it's something that's really, really important. And now there was something that you had said um, in one of your pieces um, that I was, I was reading about a few days ago and it was, it was, you can't go under over or around grief. You must go through it. And I thought that was so important. I find I find, I mean, everyone is different. Everyone handles their grief differently, but I find that some people just sort of, they just want to brush it, brush it under the rug and just be done with it. Or they just want to, you know, sort of put it on the back burner and and not really look at it. It almost becomes the elephant in the room. So can you speak to us about how you go through it and, and what is so important about that whole process? Well, you have to move through it. Um, here's a, I'll start with his, when I was growing up, we did not talk about grief Mm -mm. at all. 
My grandma died. My mother cried alone in a room. We didn't talk about it. So I never went to a funeral till I was 49. And that was my dad's because we avoided. And so I realized that, you know, in working with people, we have to move through our grief. We have to learn to walk with it. We have to, because if we try to avoid it like I did or push it aside, then we can end up trying to numb it. And that's with, you know, alcohol, prescription drugs, therapy, shopping, you know, um, <clears throat> TV binging with food. Yeah. You know, you think about a funeral or or what I saw as a kid, a funeral to me was that you drown your feelings with food and alcohol. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love, I love that you brought that up. The first thing that I thought of was when my grandmother had died, it wasn't, it was this conversation that, that happened in, I think a span of about 10 seconds where my mother and father came into the room and they said, your grandmother's died. The funeral is on Tuesday. That was it. There wasn't a conversation around how are you feeling? Are you upset? And so my dad sort of became the caregiver of us girls. You know, I have two younger sisters. He started, you know, he cooked the meals and got us to school and, and you know, took care, of, took care of us from that perspective. And my mom, yeah, she was in her room for I don't know how many weeks and was just quiet and and there was there was never a discussion and it's it's interesting because it was almost like it's almost like all those feelings were just they just weren't validated they right. you know, the experience itself wasn't validating and um you know i remember when we we lost one of our beloved pets and my daughter was so upset and we just sat with it and i said what what would you, what, what are you feeling? And, and what are you thinking? And she drew lots of pictures and, and, you know, it was, it was really interesting. And I remember sitting there thinking, I want to, I want to give her that opportunity to fully experience it or express it, or as you've said, you know, move through it. I wanted her right. to be angry and cry and remember Jesse and, you know, she is funny. She put pictures of him all over her room and she had this memorial for him and it was the sweetest thing ever. And I thought, okay, if that's what you need to do, that's great. But it's so true what you're saying. It's just, it's just something that we didn't talk about. It was, I remember when my father's dad had, had died and, and we, um, I think I'd met him when I was four and they lived in, in Newfoundland. And so we're in Canada. So we live near the Rocky Mountains and Newfoundland's on the other end. Mm -hmm. And again, didn't talk about it. We just knew something was different. My dad was really quiet. And again, it wasn't, I feel really sad or it, there was no expression or there wasn't anything around even acknowledging that it had happened. We just all knew to stay quiet right, <laughs> and stay invisible out of the way. Yes. And leave, you know, like I would say, can I go see mom? No, leave her alone. So what do I learn? Grieve alone. If I feel sad, then I should go to my room and cry. One and second. That, Sorry, yeah. there's, they're cutting the grass next door. Just a moment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, really? Really? 
<laughs> do you not know that we are doing important work here? Like seriously? <laughs> I like how you said it, it was like we just we would grieve alone. And you know, after I didn't realize what it was at the time, but after my grandmother had died. Uh, I didn't even want to go to the funeral. I was so angry and so upset and I didn't understand what happened. I just saw her in the hospital and she was fine and no one was talking about it. And I had so many questions and I went to the funeral and then afterward they were having, I don't remember, they were having some sort of get together after. And I was angry. I was like, why are you celebrating that she's dead? I don't want anything to do with that. Take me home. I refuse, absolutely refuse to go. I was so upset because, I mean, she was the matriarch, you know, everything revolved around her and Mm -hmm. it, it was a, it was a tremendous loss. And I, you know, looking back, I can see, you know, I wore black every day after she died. I wore black for years and I felt depressed and I just, I, and you know, it's, it's so true. It's like, you're just, you're grieving it alone. Like it's just that uh, that's huge. Grief is lonely in any case, even if you've got a loving family. We all, like you said, we all grieve differently. And so even if you've experienced a similar loss, you can never tell somebody, I know how you feel. You You only know how you feel when you experienced your loss. Yes. What I like to tell people is, I mean, after losing my son, Jack, you know, there's, it's like, you're, like you said, I mean, you're part of a, you're part of a group that you did not mm-hmm. request. You didn't sign up for that. And I always like to tell women, I understand the scope and the enormity of it from my perspective. I understand right. what it feels like to be utterly shattered and heartbroken, mm-hmm. but that looks different for everyone, you know, Absolutely. and it's, I find it just so fascinating. Now there was something that you had, um, you had mentioned in, in your work. And that was the idea that there are no stages of grief. So I want to talk about that because I find, you know, in the work that I've done over the years as a medium and, and, you know, delving into, you know, counseling people through their grief and the mourning and what that looks like, you know, people would say, well, you know, there are these, these five stages of grief. And I know going through my stuff, it was like, No, I feel like there are probably 20 different stages of grief and mine would ping pong back and forth and all over the place. And, and there wasn't, and you know, it's almost like I had one client who said to me, she said, well, I haven't felt angry. Am I supposed to feel angry? Like when, when am I going to feel angry? I just feel really sad. And I just feel, I just feel heartbroken. You know, she's like, when is the anger going to come? You know, like, am I, am I not willing to be angry? And she thought she was doing it wrong. Well, that is what happened. I mean, that book that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote on death and dying, she wrote when she was observing terminally ill people. Yeah. And so it was never really intended for people who are grieving. Now, don't get me wrong. If you've used that book and you love it, and it works for you, then that's great. But what I have found is that it stops people from grieving. If they, like you say, if they feel like they're doing something wrong, it's not, I mean, grief isn't linear. It doesn't fit in a box. It is messy. 
And so not everybody feels depressed. Not everybody feels angry. Not everybody. And sometimes we feel all and more. So the reason why I say that is just because, you know, grief is a step by step process Mm -hmm. and we have to move through it our own way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say, you know, there are no stages of grief because I don't want people to feel like they're doing something wrong. I love that. It's almost like putting them in the grief box. Okay. You're going to go in the grief box. Right. And here's your checklist. And when you're done everything, then you can come out. And so I find that interesting. Now, you know, I, I've, I've, I've chatted with so many different people around what grief looks like and and what mourning looks like and that they're two different things. Can you, what are your experiences with that? Do you, do you see it as it's just we're we're grieving and mourning is a part of that? Do you see them as two separate things? What, what does that look like from your experience? You know, I just, I don't really differentiate them. I mean, to me, mourning is an outward thing and you're wearing black, like you said. Grief is grief. I mean, you've still got those feelings within. You are still experiencing all of the emotions. And so for me, I really don't differentiate. Um, It's like I don't like to put labels on grief. Grief is grief. Grief is grief. We have to feel it and we have to move through it. It's so true. And I... I love what you, you shared. I, I, I've been skulking, I've been skulking all your stuff to get a, <laughs> just to get a, a better, I mean, I did before we chatted you know, a month or two ago. And then for today, I thought, no, I want to, let's get in there. Let's see what else is going on. So okay. I love the idea of you shared that fond memories of our loved ones that that should be the focus and do not live in the pain of grief. And I often share with people that it is a choice to suffer. If we would like to, if we want to feel, if we want to step into that, that's fine. I mean, from an energetic perspective, I say to people, you know, we can throughout the day, we can choose and decide how we'd like to feel while we're honoring our experience and what's happening. And you know, I've often said to people, you know, when, when I grieved my son, there were days where I actually felt moments of, of joy and happiness and, and, you know, my life felt meaningful. And then in an hour from then it was like, I was completely decimated again and crying. And so I love that. I, I love that, you know, it's, it's, it's really helping people to focus on, you know, what are the memories of your loved ones? And, and those memories, right. all of that is still there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I find that people think if they heal, then they will forget. Yes. Yeah. And healing to me is honoring your loved one. Yeah. And letting go of of that pain. I mean, recovery as a recovery coach is feeling better again, is that you don't have to live. We always grieve. There's grief. We walk with grief and it finds its place in our heart. And those feelings can come up and go, but we don't have to live in emotional pain. We can, and when we can let go of that pain, then we can really focus on 
those great memories and we can honor our loved ones and we can create rituals. And, you know, even though they're not physically with us, we still have a relationship with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. You know, I, in, in the work that I do, I, I always tell people, you know, just because they're not in their physical body anymore, doesn't mean that that love has died. It doesn't mean that that connection oh. has died. It means that you have a different relationship and um, it's, I think it's just so important for people to understand that it doesn't have to look a certain way. Right. Right. It doesn't have to look a certain way. You know, I've read, there was one family I read for years ago. I read for five family members and they were all at a different place with their grief. And I love how you said that it's yours. I mean, that is, you know, they were all, you know, one had fully accepted it and was connecting with their mother. Um, One couldn't function. Uh, One was so angry at everyone and blaming Mm -hmm. and just, it was so fascinating to watch where everyone was on that spectrum. And I think that, I think that mainstream information around grief is that, you know, as we've talked about, there are those stages, it should look a certain way, you know, this is, and you should get over it at some point. Like it's just, it's almost like it's something you need to get over. And, um, you know, in the work that I do, there have been countless mothers who have said, I have to say my child's name every day, because if I don't, it means that they're forgotten and they're gone forever. And it's like, it just, it fascinates me that this information is out there because nothing can be farther from the truth. I mean, it's just. Sorry. I mean, look what we hear, you know, time heals all wounds. (laughs) Yes. Just give it time. Give it time. Time Time does not heal all wounds and it certainly doesn't heal grief. I've worked with people who have carried their grief around for 20, 30 years, it's what you do within that time that matters. And this is where we learn to, that it's okay to talk about our feelings. Yes. That it's okay to reach out for help. And whether you start with journaling or a friend or a family member, or you do all of it, you find a professional it's okay. Absolutely. And that brings me to my next point. You have your give grief a voice journal. I love that. I love that. Yes. Yes. Show us, show us your, your journal and how, how can people find it? We will go over this again at the end, but how do, how can people find okay. it? So I have this, it's giving grief a voice and um, they can find it on Amazon or go over to my website and there's a link on my website that will take you to Amazon. But basically Amazon is the place that you want to go to find it. Okay. And I always think journaling is great because it's a great way to start because it just helps you to get it out yes. of here onto yes. paper. And sometimes we don't know what we are even thinking and feeling until we get it out. I love that, you know, and it's, it's so fascinating because I always tell people, you know, if you allow the information to come through you and out onto the paper, Mm -hmm. I have some, I have some clients that journal on their computer. And then I recommend, I say, just get it all out of here 
And right. like, is it just, if it, if we leave it in there, I find it just perpetuates. We get on the, the hamster wheel and it just starts to, we start to ruminate and our mind goes, yeah, and remember this and remember this and remember this. And we start to feel worse. And we just sort of go down that rabbit hole. And I tell yes. people, you know, if you can get it out of your head, whether it's on a right. computer or writing, and then either Absolutely. delete it, delete it or burn it. And one of the rituals that we offer through our classes with the mediumship is we, we do the journaling and then we have a ceremony where we burn it and we're releasing it and the angels are transmuting it and taking the words to heaven and it's done. And so I love that that is, that could be part of someone's ritual is to Absolutely. just write. And I think that could be really important for someone who maybe, maybe they don't feel like they have the support network quite yet, or they don't really know how to talk about it. I find, uh, you know, a lot of the mothers I work with, there's this guilt, you know, I, I should have done more. I should have, mm-hmm. we should have done this. And, and there's just this, this idea that they, they should be over it. They should be thankful that they have other children. Mm-hmm. They should be, you know what I mean? Like all this stuff. All is this there. misinformation that we get told, oh, you've got two other children, you know, or you're young enough, you can have another. Yeah. Or they're in a better place. Yeah. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. You know, all of this stuff. And we're encouraged to share our happy feelings. Yeah. But we need to share our painful feelings and sad feelings, but we don't know how to. Yes. And so I love, love, love the idea of your journal and we will we will have all the um all the information in the show notes so that everyone can find it okay i think that it's yes and it's i think that it's just so important to you know and i'll just share really quickly you know after i lost my son i was i was just in shock for a couple of years like and you know and as a medium people would say well what's the big deal you're a medium you can connect go do your thing And it would take connecting with another medium to help me to start to work through it and just acknowledge it. And I I will never forget, she said to me, you must give, give your grief the dignity that it requires, because this was a tremendous loss for you. And no one, and that will stay with me forever, because whether it's a fur baby, a child, a parent, a sibling, Mm -hmm. a friend, no matter what that loss is, it's a loss like there are no losses that are greater or less than if you are experiencing pain from that loss, that's real. That all feelings are valid. Yes. No matter yes. what. And that's why we should never compare losses because that again will stop you from grieving. I forget what the saying is about the cobbler who's got no shoes, who looked at so yeah, they've got no legs. You know, it's that type of thing. If, you know, oh, I've lost a dog, well, somebody's lost a grandparent, their grief, it stops us from grieving. All feelings are valid. That is so true. And, you know, there, uh, there was a, a client that I read for a few years ago, and it's like she wouldn't even acknowledge the loss of her child. Be- and she kept saying that other people have it worse. I should be thankful that I have another child. I should be thankful for the time I had with my daughter. Um, you know, other people have it worse. And it's almost like, I find it, it just, it's, it's fascinating when you give someone permission, when you acknowledge the pain, when you just create that sacred space for them to step in and just sit with it, be with it, acknowledge it. Right. And do you find, sorry, go. 
No, no, I was just going to say, I tell my clients to lean into their feelings. Lean into it. Yes. Yes. Right. I always tell them, I, I, ref, I reference Brene Brown. I say, you know, just we're going to get in the arena with it. Maybe, right. maybe today you can look at it. Maybe today you can acknowledge it's there. Right. Maybe today you want to grab in a chokehold and take it out. Maybe today you just want to sit with it. So it's just, I think it's just acknowledging that that, that happened. I also find such a difference with spouses. So, you know, spouses or partners who have had a loss, you know, I just, I find it so interesting that some spouses, it's almost like it can, the grief can bring them closer while others, it just, it's like a wall between them and they just, they don't even know what to do with it. So what, yeah. you know, in those instances, you know, can you, can you shed some light on what that looks like for people and where, where would be a great place to just even start to offer support if you have a common loss in your world? Where they can find, I'm sorry, repeat the question again, where, where can they find, how can they start to is yeah, that what you're asking? Is there, is there a way that they can start to show up for one another that, and, and not, is there a way that they can show up while just honoring the other person? I think it's more around gotcha. how do we honor the other person and where right. they're at? Okay. I think first and foremost is like we've said earlier on, everyone grieves differently. So if your husband is not crying or does not cry, or your partner, or is not crying, it doesn't mean that they're doing it wrong, that they're not grieving. We have to honor each other's feeling. I think the biggest thing is to sit down and talk about it, which again is one of the hardest things. I mean, especially with a child, nobody's ever prepared Mm -mm. for the loss of a child. It's Mm -mm. not the natural course of, and so, and actually I was just, just heard something the other day, like 91% of couples who, whose child dies, experience child loss um, and ends up in divorce. Yes. I, I read something similar and that just, that just blew my mind. I know from, I knew for myself that, you know, when, when we lost Jack, that that was, it was interesting because it was not that I expected my partner to, I think I expected him, maybe it was the expectation. I'm not sure what it was. I thought that we would sit with it together and work through it. Whereas in his mind, it was done. It was over, not meant to be, we don't even need to talk about it. And I was absolutely decimated. So I remember looking back thinking, I'm pretty sure that was the beginning of the end of that, that relationship, because if you don't have some semblance of knowing that person has your back or knowing that that person can just even hold space for you, just, you know, like it's, I found that that's, that's a great point. Like that is, and again, not that I expected him to get into the trenches with me and feel it the way that I felt no. just acknowledging. Uh, yes. You know, I, I see it. I think, I think with our grief, we just, it's so powerful when someone can see us, in the grief and acknowledge it and not see us as wrong or flawed or different or weak or just to be seen with it. And we're not broken. So we don't need to be fixed. Exactly. We just need to be heard. 
Exactly. And I think it's so important. I think it's so important for, um, for the, you know, the women that I work with, it always, they always get to a point where people are not mentioning the child anymore. Yeah. And they feel like, but, but this, this loss, it hasn't gone away. Like it hasn't, it, and it almost makes people feel uncomfortable. And it's just, you know, I, I've got, you know, I've, I've got a few friends who have lost children and, and we make a point, you know, I know when the anniversaries are coming. And so a month before I'm reaching out and saying, okay, this is coming up. How can I support you? What does that look like? And it's, right. I think that definitely with, you know, experiencing a worldwide pandemic and the grief that's been associated with that in a multitude of different ways, I'm finding grief is coming to the forefront on so many yes. different podcasts and so many, it's something that we have to talk about. Yes, yes, we do. And, you know, talking about people disappearing, it's very common. Um, I work with a lot of women who have lost a spouse or a partner and, you know, their partner, they've died. Um and, you know, most of them will say, my friends don't, the friends that we had as a couple don't come around anymore, or maybe one or two will, because they don't know what to say. Okay. And they're afraid that, you know, inviting them to a party on, on her own will be too hard for you know so people don't know what to say so the easiest thing to do is avoid Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's very hard for the griever that's when we feel so alone and isolated absolutely and I mean it's such a delicate balance to Mm -hmm. You know, but I think the most important thing is, is to continue to include our people. I mean, give them the option. And if they, if they opt yes. out, that's okay too, but just to still give them the option. Yes. And yeah, I find that, I find that just so fascinating. It's so true. Now, what can you, can you shed some light on the best steps to coping with grief? We touched on it a little bit earlier, but what are the best right. steps to coping with grief? Well, first and foremost is treat yourself with kindness. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. Lower your expectations. Self-care is not selfish. Mm-hmm. We always put ourselves on the back burner. If Even when we don't have an appetite, mm-hmm. eat. Have some healthy, fresh food. Go out and get some exercise, move your body, even when you don't feel like it. Take a shower. can be one of the hardest things people say, I haven't showered. Take a shower, put on some fresh clothes. So be kind to yourself. And remember, there's no right or wrong. I love that. You know, when I, um, when I was, you know, Again, it took about two to three years for me to even acknowledge and ex- and even come to terms with the fact that Jack was gone. I, I gave myself permission, you know, after I made the connection with him and I knew that he was safe. And it's like then it's like my heart just started to grieve. And yeah. I remember it, it was crazy because I thought I thought grieving meant you stay quiet with it. You don't let anyone see you. You just go off in the corner, you just go do your thing, and then you get over it and you come back. 
And what was so fascinating was the bouts of, of crying, uncontrollable crying that would just come over me. I joke with people. I say, I didn't wear mascara for a year because I didn't know right. when I would get into the ugly cry. And I'd be like, oh, damn it. I've got mascara all over my face and people are going to think I'm, I'm this or that. And I didn't want people to know. And, and again, I was, you know, married at the time. And so I, I found, I would put on this happy face, you know, mm-hmm. get, get Emma off to school, get the cupcakes baked, get work done, dinner on the table, pick up the, like I, I carried on with my world with this mask. And then when I was alone, I would give myself permission to just completely lose it. And what was interesting is I, I didn't realize this at the time, but my whole body would ache. Yes. And so I would have just, my heart felt like it was broken and my entire body would ache. And since then, I know now when I'm grieving, sometimes you, I just, sometimes I don't think we cognizantly, I don't think we just, we know it's like, oh, here's my day timer today. We're grieving. Like, I don't, it doesn't come like that. We just sort of comes in waves or pockets. And, and now to this day, that's the first thing is just, Oh, I'm, I'm grieving. That's what that is. And once I acknowledge it, right. It just, floodgates are open. And grief is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Yeah. I think, you know, and I love, I love, I loved our discussion earlier around that there aren't any stages to grief. I love what you just said. I think that grief shows up in those four ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that that could be a roadmap for people to, you know, am I, is this emotional? Is this physical? Is it spiritual? Is it, you know, it's just, I think that that, that right there is for me is a huge takeaway from our conversation today because it's true. Like I, you know, it's funny. I used to say to people, um, I say to mothers all the time, it's okay. You can get fucking mad. You can be angry. You can, I was angry at God. I was angry at the doctors. I was angry at myself. I was angry at Jack. I was angry at my spouse. I was angry at anyone who looked at me the wrong way. And it was like, oh my, what is under that? (laughs) It was fascinating how things started to show up in my world. And it was, and I found that I didn't have a network of people to talk to. All of my friends had children. And so there wasn't, it's like, I stopped being invited to things, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything they wanted to really talk about. Or I found that, you know, when they were pregnant with, with their, 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 their children, it's like, I just, there was just always this little undercurrent of, well, they didn't want to be too happy around me. Um, I wasn't invited to all of the events because, and so I find that people make those choices for us where I think they just need to say, okay, this is what we're doing. You you're invited. If you'd like to come, we would love to have you. I think that that's, I think that's part of it as well. And you said this earlier that people don't know what to say. So the easier thing is, is, is to not say anything. Or tell them, I don't know what to say, but I am, you know, I'm here for you. I will listen but I don't know what to say. Be honest. It's all about being emotionally honest. We look at grief intellectually when we hear things like, we say things like, I'm fine, feelings inside not expressed. Um, And we tell people, you know, you know, time heals all wounds. Grief is emotional Mm -hmm. and we feel it. Mm -hmm. it's true Um, 
and we need to talk about it. We need to express it and not hide it and run away from it. You know, and it's, it's interesting too, because I think, I think there's holding space for someone. And I think there's also, I know I've, I've experienced this before where someone in my world, you know, they've had a loss and it, it almost got to the point where that was all they were talking about. Right. It's like, that was every phone call, several calls a week, any, any, that's all they wanted to talk about. And I've, I've had, you know, several discussions where I've had to say, have you reached out to someone? Like, I'm not trained in this. I'm, I can hold space for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we need to look at finding some extra support for you. And so I think, I think it's, I think it's one of, I think it's a very fine balance. And I think it's, you know, allowing people to share it, but also being able to have that boundary to know when it, it can be too much for us. Not only do we not know what to say, we don't want to, we're not that person's therapist. We're not that person's counselor. We are right. Like we, we can hold space, but also recognizing that if it becomes greater than we feel comfortable with, that it's, you know, it's interesting. I, I follow the work of Stan Tatkin and he's a relationship expert and he talks about the relationship bubble. And I think this, wow. this, this applies to every relationship. And he says, you know, the relationship bubble is, is sacred and our personal work needs to stay outside the bubble and thirds need to stay outside of it. So grief is a grief could be considered a third, um, you know, career, money, children, whatever that is. And so I think it's, it's very important to acknowledge the grief, but to also hold sacred what that relationship is while supporting someone. So what are some, what are some really, can you give us some, some tips on, on what you can do to support someone when they've lost a loved one? Be there for them. Just, as I say, if you don't know what to say, just show up. Be there for them. You could, if you can't be there physically, you can um, text them, call them, email them, reach out for them. I think one of the biggest things if they're close by is don't ask them to, if you need anything, go over, take dinner for somebody, mow the lawn, take the dog for a walk, ask them if they want to go for a walk. It's be, be there for people. Um, and, and, and don't worry if you don't know what to say. It's okay. I think just, just being there for somebody is so helpful, just being present. And again, if you can't reach out to have a chat on the phone. I really love that. You know, it makes me think of you know, when my daughter was born, neighbors were dropping off presents and, you know, they were, they made muffins and they made dinners and, and they brought flowers and they brought fruit and they, they, you know, there was this stream of, of beautiful, beautiful generosity. And I wonder if, if it's possible to start to have that show up for people who have lost a loved one, not necessarily to bring flowers or write a, a, you know, a a sympathy card, but just different ways that you can just show up. I love that you just said that. I mean, I can, can you imagine how special that would be to, you know, open your door and, and there's a little gift, you know, I was thinking of you, I wanted to drop this off for you. Not just, I like what you said about, yeah, let me know if, if, 
if you need anything because people typically won't. No, you have to just do it. You know, let me take the dog for a walk. Be physically there for them because people want, because we're not used, we don't want to burden anybody mm-hmm. with our sad and painful feelings. Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, we wear this mask. I'm fine. Oh, stay strong. Yep. For who? For who? Exactly. And I think it's just, it's, it's acknowledging the loss. If, if someone, you yes. know, needs to grieve for however long, that that's okay. It's, I right. th- do you find that people can get stuck in their grief? Do you find that? Absolutely. And I think what keeps most people stuck is the could haves and should haves. Yeah. When somebody dies, it's not just the loss of the person. It's a loss of hopes, dreams, expectations for a future that is very different. Yes, Absolutely. And that's when we get stuck in that mind loop, you know, the, if only I'd done that, if only I'd, and that's what really keeps us stuck. So, and life is about relationships, all like, you know, people, places, things. That's what our life's about and our attachment to those things, those people, those places. And yeah, so we really need to, it's about becoming complete with a relationship because when we're stuck in the could haves and should haves, that's when we're not complete. We have unfinished business, usually of a communication with that relationship. And now we don't, now that person's gone and we can't tell them. And so that keeps us stuck. And the could haves and should haves and oh so then a beautiful way of of perhaps having those conversations that you know maybe those words they didn't get the chance to say or they had an argument or whatever that is would be journaling I mean you yeah. could write, writing letters or journaling I think that Absolutely. would be a beautiful way to help people to not stay stuck in their grief right and and the bottom line is like you said at the beginning is We are responsible for our own happiness. Horrible, shitty things, devastating things, horrific things happen to us in our lives. But at the bottom, the bottom line is at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, which I like to start off with, is how do I want to feel? I take 100% responsibility for my happiness because if we put our happiness in other people's hands, then we'll never be happy. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's like we're giving them our puppet strings. Yes. Yes. They can dictate that. Yes. Yes. Well, I love, I love the work that you do. And I, I love, thank you. thank you so much for, for sharing everything with us. Um, tell us about your podcast. How can people find you on your podcast? Okay, so um, my podcast is the same as my website. It's called Give Grief a Chance. So you can either find it on my website, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, or any place where podcasts are played. It's it's all over the world. Um, or you can go to my website and listen to it there, which is easier, which is where my journal is. Or you can go to in, you can go to Amazon and just type in giving grief a voice journal. It's a beautiful gift if you or anyone 
are struggling. It's a great way to start. I love that. Thank you so much. And we will have all of your contact info and, and all of your links uh, yep. in show notes. I am so grateful for your time today. I, I love this. Just a, just a wealth of information for people to support them through their grief journey. And so thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And one other thing is I do offer a one-on-one program. It's a seven-week program. It's an educational tool, and we do it either in person or via Zoom. I love that. I help people that way too. So, But thank you for having me here. This has been absolutely fantastic. I've had a great time. Thank you. Oh, it's been amazing. And tell us what your website is again. Givegriefachance.com. Same as my podcast. And that's why the journal is Giving Grief a Voice. I love that. Love that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Shauna. This was great. Take care. Thank you.